Hi. Hi. Yep. Hi. I'm back. I'm back. Hi. That's right. So to all of you who wrote in to me since the last two episodes and was like, she's buried in your backyard. First of all, I live in Cleveland. It's the winter. I'm, there's no way I'm going to get a hole in the ground. So some of you then were like, oh, she's tied up in his basement. I'm right here. I'm not dead. Although yesterday was almost a thing. Oh, girl. We both had quite a few weeks. It's been a year so far. And it's January 29th. That's right. Obviously, the last two episodes I recorded by myself, it was... And he was great. Well, thank you, but it was really, really hard, and I never want to do it again. Last week, not only was Tara sick and everything, but I also went through some insomnia. And actually, a week ago today, I stayed from home from work because I got an hour and a half of sleep. And I forced myself not to go back to sleep because it was like, you need to reset your clock. So I recorded the last episode, and I had to re-record half of it because it was like, girl, what the fuck are you saying? It's because you didn't drink during it, did you? Uh, No. There is the problem. But then I read something on WebEx. MD, which <laughs> get hello. the fuck off of WebMD. I'm a hypochondriac. Anyone who's listening to this, do not get on WebMD. There are other sites that you could go to instead. Don't, <laughs> Don't f- see your fucking doctor. Jesus Christ. Um, but when you drink alcohol, of course it can help you go to sleep, but then there's something once your body metabolizes it that causes you to wake up and it has like rousing properties. And also, so you probably I was have like, to pee. What? Well, yes, <laughs> totally. Because then, so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink. So that was Wednesday. And then on Saturday, I ended up going over to my parents' house. And like, I can't go over to my parents' house and not drink. Because I walk in the door and they're like, what are you having? And I'm like, everything, bitch. So we're back. And I'm thrilled. It's so hard to do it because there's no one to banter off of. Like, there's no one to make fun of is what he's saying. She's right. Half of my jokes are about Tara. So like without Tara. I'm really nothing. good at having people make jokes about me. And it's honestly a skill that uh, not everyone has. So good job me. Oh my gosh. Also, I gotta I, it's say. It's the truth. After Spider-Man USA, which we both collectively were like, this is our best episode ever, we had it coming because after that, like, I couldn't sleep and she couldn't talk and I had to do two by myself. So I'm thrilled that you're back. Welcome back to well, the Basic you. Snitches Compound. Thank you. It's been an interesting... Hold on. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, she's getting naked. Okay. By the way, I am also not wearing pants. Tara just took off her shirt. Yeah. So this is what... And by that, he means the sweater I was wearing over a sweater. Shh, they don't need to know that. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing... And they don't need to know I'm wearing underwear again. But they know because it's us. Yeah. This week, we are (laughs) discussing chapter 18, Dobby's Reward, which is the last chapter of Chamber of Secrets. However, before we get into... Winner and loser. I took notes on the chapters and on Adam's beautiful You're too work. kind to work. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm really bad. And in some cases, it was work. Guys, it's, I need to get the it's been... I, what is today? Wednesday? I can't. Was, fuck this week. So because she was not here the last two episodes, she gets the amazing gift of now talking without me interrupting her. We'll see how that goes. Yes. So I'm going to just let her talk and I'm going to go pee because we already drank a bottle of wine. Take it away, Tara. Okay. So Adam had to go pee. She had to go bathroom. Yep. <laughs> um. So just a couple quick things. Adam did a really great job on the last couple episodes just getting through the main parts of the chapter. This is just a combination of my own notes 
and my response to what he was saying. First of all, I just want to reiterate because he was 100% right. My reasoning for giving Ron the win in chapter chapter 15, the Aragog was because spiders are terrifying. I'm right there with Ron, and I'm not afraid of much, but spiders suck. Good job, Ron. I wanted to make a comment about your Percy versus Lockhart and how they were being very like misogynistic or whatever, and I actually disagree with you. I think you're 10,000% correct on Lockhart. For Percy, I keep thinking about the fact that he is 15. His brain is probably 100% focused on this like, what am I gonna do when the family finds out? Because he's already the butt of everyone's joke in the family. He's like, oh shit, because she did walk in on him and Penelope kissing or whatever. And he's very embarrassed by that. And like the second that Ron hears about it, sure, Jenny's gonna keep it quiet. Ron is clearly very close to Fred and George. I don't know that it's him being like, mm, it's about me. The discussion of bullying and Olive Hornby and Myrtle, and you actually talked about like the guilt that Olive, I think actually in we both chapters, that she, has. That yeah. she probably has, you know what she probably does. She's like, what, 13 years old or whatever. I think that in this series, it's really important to recognize that bullying is a very smart subplot. Harry even, the roller coaster he goes on through the series, obviously Hermione and Ron, Hermione for being a know-it-all and Ron for being poor or whatever. I wonder how all of these students who are bullies feel in the afterwards. So I just wanted to say that. And I said I wouldn't interrupt, but I want to say one. I had a, I knew you would interrupt. Go on. The interesting thing about Olive Hornby is that we've seen bullying already happen several times throughout the series. This is one of those instances where already there's a consequence to it. So I think that's why it's worth bringing up Malfoy. We've seen him do it a million times already. You know what I mean? Well, I think that that's why I really appreciated that you brought it up. We don't discuss the consequence of bullying. Can't wait till we get we there. I really have, but yeah. Olive is a character that we don't know, bringing her to light. That's why I'm a lot of time focusing on Harry's kindness. Whenever people want to like bitch about him in book five or not giving money to Ron's family is like his instinctual kindness is such an important part yeah. of this. Bullying is a yeah. real thing. This is a fantasy oh, world and bullying Dudley is real. Dudley is another one I just thought of too. Right. Well, Whatever. we'll talk about him more next book. So I have a question. Yeah. How did two 12 year old boys find the Prince of the Chamber of Secrets? Oh, I know. Easily? I know that it, it was kind of this whole process 50 years ago, whatever that time is. Did no one go oh, maybe the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets is here, or do people know? Because obviously they know that the monster was what killed Myrtle because that's the whole thing that gets Hagrid expelled and blah, 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 and Tom Riddle. But, like, Myrtle died in the bathroom. Why is no one inspecting the bathroom? Who would have found it? They're not idiots. Maybe, but nobody maybe. else. Maybe. can speak parcel tongues, but wouldn't they have, like, maybe noticed the fucking idea. little snakes? And been like, hmm, this is suspicious. But, I mean, again, this is a fantasy series about teenagers, so I appreciate it, but I'm always like, God, two 12-year-old boys. You yeah. Hermione. Well, Hermione fucking Hermione helped. So another thing, you were talking about how Lockhart had been like a bumbling idiot and then like this is the moment where you're like, oh God, he's terrible. Really was thinking about how not harmless he is. He's pretty scary. When his instincts are to hurt children to save his own ass, that is almost as scary as what Voldemort is willing to do. In my honest opinion, this is a person who otherwise would be harmless. He literally flips a switch. So you also said something about like, why did they call it the Chamber of Secrets? And this is my response. I honestly think that Slytherin really just liked feeling superior. And so he'd be like, mm, secrets are very mysterious. Like, I think he um, thinks of it as this like, the superior thing. And like, like elite. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that Salazar Slytherin was definitely a brilliant wizard. He absolutely has the wherewithal to be like, yep, this is, this is what I'm doing. 
If I were a woman, I would have called my vagina the Chamber of Secrets, and there would also have been a monster in there. <laughs> or the Goblet of Fire. Well, the Goblet of Fire. Huge or of fire. the Deathly Hollows. I'm going to go with Goblet of Fire for me. All of these books are about vaginas. So the last thing I want to say about chapter 16 is the acting of the three of them, of Kenneth Branagh and Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Crint. I am in love with the children fucking holding their own against Kenneth fucking oh, Branagh. Yeah. You commented on Harry's like, are you going somewhere? His oh, line there. So good. He's so fucking sassy. I think Rupert Crint is an exceptional and underrated actor. And then real quick, chapter 17, you talked about the sorting hat and like, well, how do the people pull this out? My simple answer to that is the sorting hat belonged to Godric Gryffindor. I knew you were going to say that. You got so fucking convoluted and I was like... This is the conversation Girl. that we are having. It's simpler, but it's also more complex, I guess. Like it's 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 simpler than what you were doing, but it also has absolutely like the complexity that you were creating has so much merit. Yeah. And I find that very fascinating. So you're kind of comparing Tom Riddle and Lord Voldemort and like where they are in like bands of the timeline or whatever. Yeah. My thought on this is that this memory of Riddle actually has no knowledge about anything outside of this memory. So everything he knows about so Voldemort, no connection back to Voldemort, I don't think that there is. He tells Harry I was already using that name while I was at school because he was like a fifth or sixth year. But remember, Ginny tells him all about Harry. I like that. I'm glad that you touched on that. Lastly. I have to disagree with you about the movie. Oh yeah. You know what? I'm certain that I missed it. The movie and the book tell the story very differently. I like how the movie does it better. I know. That's okay. very crazy. So the sequence of events is that Harry and Riddle have their conversation and Riddle does his like, here's my exposition because villains and that's what they do. And then he calls the basilisk. The basilisk is going for Harry, and obviously in the movie they have the dramatic thing where the basilisk chase Harry more or whatever. Fox stabs out his eyes and, and he can't see. That's all the same, but when Harry impales the basilisk, he is dying from the poison when he stabs the diary. And then he's like sitting there talking to Ginny when Fox like heals him. And it's actually much more dramatic in the movie. In the book, he's like, it's over oh, very quick. It's yeah. Really well, and in the yeah. book, he kills the basilisk. And Fox heals him, and Tom Riddle is like, that's okay, whatever. Then Fox is like, oh, here's the diary, and then Harry stabs it. He kills the diary before Fox saves him in the movie. I totally did miss that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why, because it's kind of a big thing. I was actually excited that you did, because I wanted to be like, because you kept saying, you're like, Tara always catches these things. I was like, he's going to get everything right, and then I want everything to say. Oh my god, no. So... <laughs> The whole time I was like, I'm getting a lot of things wrong. Truthfully, like by the end of the second episode, <clears throat> I was so exhausted. Like, well, I think you so, did a great job. Well, thank you. Before I read this outline, do you want me to tell you about Winner and Loser, Chapter yeah. 17? So Chapter 17 has one loser. Bet you know who it is. Tom Riddle. Yeah. And I'm going to actually just keep calling him Tom Riddle at this point because I don't have respect for him and his, I want to be called Lord Voldemort bullshit. I like so, that. Yeah. I really went back and forth. I was like, do I give the win to Harry? Do I give the win to Fox? So they're going to share it. Oh, that's um, nice. Because everyone would have died without Fox. Fox so, was on top of it. Yeah. Even more so in the book than the movie, you are like reminded of Fox is like, oh, you need this? Okay. Oh, you need to live? Okay. I will heal your wounds with my tears. I will do all of this. Like... No one would have lived without Fox. However, that I don't want to negate Harry's fearlessness. Every move he makes in that chapter is him acknowledging that 
whatever he does right now might kill him, but he has to do it because it's the only chance that they have for this to end. You guys sick of my voice yet? <laughs> it's your turn, bitch. I just do this for two old yeah. things. Yes, but you had a full voice. That's fine. They can just fast forward for me if they don't like my voice. No, you can't. You had to sit through two episodes of mine. You gotta listen to every second. Don't fast forward, bitches. <laughs> All right. Here is the summary that I wrote for Tara. Last one of this book. This is the final summary of book two, The Number of Secrets. Like... Chapter 18. Take it away. Dobby's Reward. After the ordeal in the Chamber of Secrets, Harry... Ron, Ginny, and Lockshart make their way to Mika's office. Despite Harry looking carry and Ginny still reeling from an intensely traumatic experience. As usual, it's the right place though because Quen, Molly, and Arthur are there. They sure got there fast. Bet they didn't expect to see this motley crew waltz into the office. Harry goes on to explain what happened and that Ginny was controlled by the diary. Dumbledore gives some background on how Riddle became Voldemort. Arthur tells Ginny never to trust anything that can think for itself and I'm like, Shit, there goes 80% of the human population. Hashtag trust no bitch. Dumble agrees, saying that many other witches and wizards have been tricked by Voldemort in the past that were more seasoned than just an impressionable first year, and that she will not be punished, and ushers her off to see Quentin Pomfrey for some hot chocolate. I hope that hot chocolate, at least, is that fancy CBD oil kind, because girl needs it. Especially because she's going to be witnessing all the petrified students getting woken up that she still feels responsible for. He also tells Mika to get back to the kitchen, rude, and get that party hopping in the Great Hall. Dumbo gives both boys 200 points each, and then sends Ron to take Lockshart to the hospital wing too. I hope his hot chocolate has laxatives in it. Harry still has questions about why Riddle seems so comparative toward him. Even though I said the obvious right answer last time that Riddle was a jealous bitch, Dumble clears it up and explains that Voldy transferred some of his powers to Harry when he gave him that scar on his forehead, and that might be why the hat was like, you might be a Slytherin. Forehead shadowing. Very nice. Thank you. Choice is a theme here, and Dumble says, it is our choices that show us what we truly are far more than our abilities, and that only a true Gryffindor could pull the sword of Gryffindor out of the hat. I'm sure Dumble has pulled worse things out of the hat. Luscious boy toy arrives with Dobby in tow and he mad, Gina. He's all like, why you back, ho? And Dumble's like, I did my research and you done blackmailed some bitches and get the fuck out of my office, you trifling bitch. Luscious stomps out like a toddler, but Harry runs after him and is like, hey, you forgot your book, and wraps his sock around it, which is slimy for some reason. I think maybe Harry's the one who needs to go to the hospital wing. Anyway, Luscious ain't even thinking, so he gives the sock to Dobby, and Dobby's like, I'm free, bitch, bye, and sends Luscious hurtling through the air after he tries to get back at Harry. So the book ends with Evil Triumphed, a slumber party feast, Luscious getting fired, Dobby being free, and oh yeah, Weasley, above all odds, is interested in Poon. <laughs> and they lived happily ever- <laughs> lol, just kidding. Here's five more books. And we got some inflatable bull dykes, and escaped prisoners, and a greasy rat man, and some ministry corruption, and terrible omens, and teacups, and terrifying floating black ghost things that will suck your soul out of your butt, and rift in some time-space continuum to look forward to. Yeah, he was excited. The end. That was- the I'm end. sorry. Uh, don't apologize, bitch! <laughs> this chapter is, like, really segmented, I feel like, in three- it's mostly two parts, but there's kind of like the nice little like beat at the end that's like, and everything was good, you know? So the first part is mostly in Double Door's office 
talking about basically everything that happened in the chamber and resolving all of that and answering this whole question about am I Slytherin, am I a Gryffindor, and the choices thing that I talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of really cool things here. First of all, the thing that I remember least about this chapter that when I read it, I was like, oh my god, this is something I love, is actually when Harry did that exposition without implicating Ginny at all. Yes. And I find that to be incredibly... Gracious. It is. It's very gracious. And, and he I'm, cares about her and wants to make sure that he's protecting like her. He's like, he's like this person, because he's the only person who's had this conversation with Tom besides Jenny now, that truly was there to experience this and to witness that this is what happened. He knows she's not responsible. And like everyone else from the outside, how would they know she's not? Yeah. And he's so conscious of that. I find that to be so beautiful. I was like, this is maybe one of the best things Harry has ever done. And Harry's a good guy. He's done a lot of good things. He just saved the whole school from being so i mean he had help but yeah <laughs> uh yes i wrote that exact same thing i also really find the level to which dumbledore knows things in this moment is really really poignant to me there's so many things that he intrinsically understands and you kind of really start to get this feeling of like okay dumbledore's got a plan i agree with you i also find it a little concerning Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it leaves this so much open for the future books. I think I said this in the last episode, but okay. the first book, you could really see it being like its own story. Like we talked about in the last episode of last season. This time, I feel like there's just tons of open ends, which is exciting. It's, it's a good thing, I think. I don't think we've yet seen Dumbledore showing his cards as much as he does right now. I was going to say this in the next episode, but I feel like this is a good place because this last chapter is actually a lot smarter and better than I ever remembered it. This book is very good and I'm annoyed that it gets all this shit. Yeah. I really loved this book this time around. I agree. This is something that I was probably going to say in the next episode too because the next episode is our wrap up obviously. There are so many new things that I learned about I guess in the series. Learned about sounds weird but re-examining it and seeing so so much more foreshadowing when I'm really paying attention. And when you look at the series in this way of introductions, and this book is so much darker because it brings in elements that you really don't see until like six and seven. But you don't think of them as darker until you're looking at it this way. Yeah. Like I think if you're just reading it through, you said something in one of the last episodes about how this is more of like a mystery novel. And then the first one, and I agree with that so much. Mm -hmm. Especially because of all the red herrings. You talked about that. And this ending with Dumbledore still kind of being mysterious about it. It does. It leaves it very yes. open like you just said. Something else on Dumbledore though. On top of him knowing a lot more. We see a lot more of his kindness and stuff too. In the wrap up for last season. Natalie was talking about like. She doesn't know a lot about Dumbledore yet. Here you get so much of his charisma it makes you feel so good, like, the way that he talks to them. He has this very calming quality. He explains things in such a way that is just very comforting. What I wrote down is that it gives the whole chapter this magical, warm feeling. And it's kind of like the whole Hogwarts will always be here to welcome you back. It is such a nice button on this entire book that it does have this very dark feeling. I don't really have much to say about the first half of that when like everyone's in the office mm -hmm. other than what I was said earlier other than like it is kind of nice to see that the Weasleys can come there even though the parents don't come and visit the students at school like 
it's also not not that they can, you know? Yeah. And then Dumbledore's like, get the fuck out of McGonagall's office. It's important to acknowledge then that he does get this one-on-one time with Dumbledore. I kind of want to take a moment to talk about Ginny's trauma. I find it very frustrating that this story includes a very young girl learning that she can't trust something that she just writes her thoughts in. Like, I think that that's really dark and really very upsetting. Like, she is absolutely entitled. Any person, male, female, whatever, like, they're entitled to having a safe place to share their feelings. Mm -hmm. And Ginny's entitlement for that was not only taken away from her but used against her in a horrible way you know what is so funny i didn't even think about this until you said this but my therapist <laughs> been seeing jill for three plus years now in our earliest sessions the two things that she was like saying that i needed to practice was meditation and writing in a journal it's a therapy mechanism to it's... like write down the stuff down and almost like reasoning with yourself putting stuff out there so that you can kind of like work through it on your own it's so important for a person to have a safe place again not just an 11 year old girl anyone yeah. i don't care who you are dumbledore's diary even if it's just like him writing fan fiction about himself in like hugh jackman or whatever like that's fine that's private that's his you what? know that he writes fan fiction about himself and jude law oh my god i mean i write fan fiction about myself and jude law i bet you do mm, he's a beautiful um, man i hadn't thought about like this is the first horcrux and it's diary and like what a diary means and i think that you get to the root of it because now we don't need to talk about the details of this right now i'm sure i'll have plenty of time to do that book six and seven but why are all those other symbols so crucial to being horcruxes and what do they represent? That is something I'm really interested to start digging into. You hit the nail on the head when it comes to the diary and it being that disturbing thing. I, I don't think that that was a mistake. No, I don't think it was either, but I will tell you it wasn't until this read. And this book in general, like we talked about when Fox first into flame when Harry was in Dumbledore's office earlier and how I was saying that that was, had to be very traumatic for him and like he just saw a student frozen on the ground like just the kind of things that these very young children are dealing with and there's so many adults around and there's magic and there's all these ways that I feel like things could be safer and better regulated and this kind of stuff happens this is why Voldemort is a legitimate villain this is the kind of shit he did with this diary he was able to take a person 50 years down the road and control their life yeah he was able to take away a safe place for her when all she wanted was to be a normal 11 year old girl with a crush and go to school and learn magic it's really more eerie than i ever realized until we got here yeah. today i'm so glad that you touched on that mm. that's really really good I do what i can that was really all i had to say about when all the people were here other than like when dumbledore's like why are you so humble gilderoy lockhart and you know dumbledore's like fucking finally that this guy finally fucked it up and i don't have to like yeah but also, Dumbledore, how fucking dare you for hiring this asshole? You're completely right. I've been sure about Gilderoy this entire fucking book. Now he ain't saying nothing. I ain't got nothing else to say about him. Yeah, fuck him. Bye. Bye. So in this next part where it's just him and Harry, there's a couple things that really stood out to me. We're on the subject of Horcruxes, of course. The gigantic spoiler where Harry even says, Voldemort put a bit of himself in me. Like, holy shit. And I mean, at this moment, you don't even know. You don't know. That's why I'm loving this book so much. I'm like, holy shit. It gives the best little clues. Look, that bitch loves sitting in baskets. 
Well, I like baskets too. Yeah, but I'm too. I'm too fat. That bitch Dumbledore just loves sitting in baskets. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. <laughs> also, Berkeley loves sitting in baskets. I, I actually have a lot of baskets in my living room, and of course, <laughs> Terry is taking a picture of her. I have to take a picture. It's not a good picture, so it's not gonna work. Yeah. Well, you know how to hit us up on social media. I'm sure she'll be there. Anywho, but like that, I just wanted to point it out. We don't really have to go too much. No, I mean, there's really nothing to talk about right now, but. The other really big thing here, other than, of course, the big quote, is what else he says about Slytherins. Because, of course, as a Slytherin, I've talked a lot about it in both this book and last book, the adjectives that you really get when you think of them are cunning and pride and ambition. But here, he says resourcefulness and determination. And he actually says the same in the movie, too. I've talked a lot about, like, the negative qualities of all those other things I just talked about. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins. Ambition can be considered a character flaw in literature. Resourcefulness and determination, I think, are two things that are quite positive. And it's a little bit difficult to find something negative about them. I mean, you can always, you know, say, you know, it depends on what type of resourcefulness or determination. But as a whole, I really enjoyed that he brought that. I agree with that. I think that it's important for Dumbledore, who is kind of a symbol of Gryffindor good and correctness or whatever, is not going you are these negative things. He's saying these are things that Salazar Slytherin valued. Harry is determined and resourceful, which, and that's not the piece of Voldemort inside of him. That is Harry. Harry is, he's a Gryffindor and then he's a fucking Hufflepuff, but (laughs) he does have that, you know, like he, he is resourceful and determined. The cool thing about him using those two, I don't really give a shit about the certain disregard for the rules because I actually like disagree that Harry's like, I like to break rules. Harry's literally just a fucking nosy bitch and and he breaks rules to like save the day honestly those were also qualities of gryffindors Mm -hmm. someone who is brave and fearless like harry they have to be resourceful you have to fucking do what you can he resigned himself to death in the first book in this book like in all of them he literally has a moment in each book where you're like this is harry the unknown and all. like he just he accepts it like this is just who he is He works with what he has, which is why Expelliarmus becomes his, like, signature move. He's not going to give up. That's Harry. That's also, like, a lot of the other Gryffindors we see. Like, Ron and Hermione, we can focus on the trio. Like, Hermione is like, I'm going to fucking figure this out. I can almost even see, like, other characters like Cedric Diggory. Those are just two very important qualities of being a human. Nothing is black and white. It, it makes me wish, and I'm sure there's something on the internet somewhere, where it goes through the, the houses and writes down, like, all of the stereotypical things you could say about all of those. But then, like, a Venn diagram, even. I show. want a Venn diagram where it shows yeah. everything overlapping. This is how, like, a Hufflepuff and a Slytherin are like, etc. Nothing is just red, blue, yellow, or green, you know? No. Everything is, that's what makes everybody unique and... Some of us got no blue in us, but I want to know things. I'm just not very smart. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The other big part, I mean, everything else that I have about this, I mean, the whole Dobby thing is pretty cut and dry, I think. The choices quote, I mean, we can't not say the choices quote, the whole... I'll let you say it. Well, I don't have it written down, so I might misquote oh. it, but the... Oh, I, would the you like me to read about, it? Like, it's what our choices... Our choices are more important than what we do. Would you like me to say it? Yeah. Okay. It is our choices, Harry, that show us what we truly are far more than our abilities. 
And then he's like, here, look at this sword. And the movie fucking picks up a bloody ass sword and it's bullshit. Yeah, like I was so gross. I'm like, can you not? I mean, it's there. We all know that quote. I think it's important to put it here, though, because choices are such a huge theme in this book. I'm really excited to look through what the biggest quotes are in this series because right now for me, if you were to choose one quote, only one quote from from the series that we've met so far, because I think there's some later that encompasses everything, it's this right now. This for me personally, that's what I think. I think there's some down the road, but yeah. I mean, I have four of them hanging up in my library. Yes. And I have one of them hanging up in my kitchen that's also hung up in my library. I got a bunch of them memorized in my brain. Oh, good for you. I have Oh, a- I am part Ravenclaw. Look oh at me. Oh my I'm gosh, you can remember shit. I honestly <laughs> have a lot of them in my brain too, but they're all misquoted. <laughs> Are you ready to go into the Dobby thing? The I am. Dobby. The Dobby, the thing. Dobby I, thing. I have like one thing to say about it. I don't it, really but- have much here either the only thing that i really wrote that i'm like what the fuck is why is slimy the word that is used to describe because he was in like a fucking chamber of secrets where it's slimy down there i don't know my assumption is because it's his sock ew. typically you think of like ew, socks are- he like shoves this sock into your hand like fucking throw it back at that kid yeah it's that's wrapped- gross i mean this is more of a movie comparison wrapped around the book yeah, I prefer the movie because I don't yeah, have to look at slimy sock. But, like, tossing it and Dobby catching it, like, that's on fucking Lucius. Kind of makes me think of the thing where Riddle is standing over Harry and he's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna and watch you die. Look, that bird's sad. Ha <laughs> ha. No, the bird is healing him. Then he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. Duh. Right, like, well in the movie, yeah. He's totally not thinking about it. Like, you see these Slytherins, they get so in the moment and they aren't actually thinking about the repercussions of what their actions actually are. I mean, that could be a theme too, that that's something that Slytherins do. I mean, a lot of characters well, that yeah, because they do. kind of give Slytherins the... It's ambition. It's ambition, yeah. and it's blind ambition. I mean, I think that that's got to be just her general way of showing that about Slytherins. It's actually probably the most straightforward attribute that she's given any yeah. character. I, th- I mean, there's some Slytherins out there that are definitely calculating, and they do consider... I mean, Voldemort But, like, calculation and ambition, I think, sometimes don't necessarily run on separate paths yeah like i think voldemort is very calculating but also at the same time like he does take into account a shit ton of stuff that will come out over the next couple books like special types of magic and the importance of other creatures and just honestly being a good person Mm -hmm. like i think that and he's still very calculating i think that's really fascinating god i like kind of want to do like a whole study on slytherins sorry myself and everyone else i think slytherins are probably the most fascinating That's right beach well uh, so like i um i mean we've said it a million times already in this episode but like i overthink and i always think about what's the consequence of me doing this versus this and weighing out my options and stuff so like that i think perhaps is like some more of the raving claw in me like i tend to of course be more of a slither claw things like that what is the main thing that you do have though in here y'all can come at me if you want but i love harry and i will praise that fucker but like just his sensibility and his in this moment and being like i have to do this for dobby and his instinct to be like this is what i have to do and how he goes about freeing dobby 
it's very smart, but it's also very 12-year-old boy. Love it. It's one of the most beautiful things Harry does. Obviously, the whole fucking series is about him, so he has great moments in every book. I think that Harry has more amazing moments in this book than he did in the first book, and he's great oh, in the first yeah. book. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Because his, his instincts and his, like, willingness to just put, make things right. This is the Harry that's making things right, and I think this is the book where we really get to see it, so that when it happens later on in the series, when he's also a complicated older teenager who's grappling with more trauma and, and hormones and hormones and all of that he's still this 12 year old harry and freeing dobby oh, man. in I the same fucking chapter say, which one do you think is really the best thing that he's ever done not implicating jenny or free i dobby. mean this fucking chapter like <laughs> he you can't like he's just this is a great chapter for harry yeah. and then really at the very end we get all this nice, like, and then this happened, then this happened. Like, we learn, of course, that Lucius Malfoy is fired, which is nice to see. We get the retribution moment with Lockhart and all of that. Fuck that so guy. This guy deserves it, too. There's finally a feast that they can go to after, after missing the feast at the beginning, missing the Halloween feast, I all know. that. I think the only other thing that I have here is the little telephone thing at the end. I thought just was cute. Like, here. Uh, oh, at the end of the book? Here's my phone number. Call me. I do love him giving Ron his telephone number. Like, it wraps it up in such a nice, pretty bow, I think. I it's. They it's do great. mention, they did ask, they do finally ask Ginny what was Percy doing. Oh, oh yeah. He was, that whole thing. He's he, an interesting yeah. girls. I know none of us that, but. And that's why I kind of said that before is like that's why I don't think Percy was like in that level. I think that's because fair. Fred yeah. and George immediately like, oh really? And she's like, oh you won't tease him, will you? Like, oh precious child, you fucking know damn well they're gonna tease the hell out of him. Absolutely. Like as much as Percy gets very frustrating later on, I think it's important to think about this book. He is very much the outcast human, yeah. he's he's the outcast of the family yeah. he really is and that doesn't like forgive him from where he goes with the future and all that but yeah like that's like the last real thing we learn and then harry's like here's my telephone number bye. and then he's like bye well, we talked now about Percy. let's talk about the movie first of all as cool as dumbledore's office is I need me some Weasley time. I want yeah, McGonagall. The, the fact that they cut all that out. They cut all that. Dark. They even, like, it's I was... not even in McGonagall's office. I'm actually, the thing I'm most upset about that whole thing, other than not having the Arthur Weasley quote of being like, Ginny, don't trust things where you can't see where it keeps his brain. But also the moment where Dumbledore is like, oh, you're really quiet about your part in this, Gilderoy. Yeah, you don't like, see any of him like, anymore. It's, and, I, and I know he never comes back and they don't bring him back in the fifth movie like he's in the book. But I think that kind of the closure on that, I feel kind of let down. Even though we're not going to see him in the fifth movie, I feel like it needs to be addressed. They brought him back and his last big moment is him being like, wow, this I is great. I'm flying. Yeah. I also kind of want Harry's exposition. I don't think that it actually helps the movie, so I forgive them for not putting in there. I just personally want it because i find it so fascinating just how he is given this moment where he has to just talk about this terrifying thing that happened yeah and then we like both reacted when he picked up the fucking sword oh my god so a little bit about how harry and ron look before ron leaves it actually looks like ron is dirtier than harry even though there was this whole bloody moment in the book he's just drenched in it and he looks fine and then like consistently more and more as the scene goes on. Lucius Malfoy comes in, he's got some more dirt on his face, 
And then the moment when he, it's just him and Lucius, he's completely grimy. It's like, come on, man. I think that the last few minutes of the movie, I don't really love the scripting. I do love most of the film work. But dear God, it does not matter how fucking corny the line is. Jason Isaacs, I only want to see him play villains. Even when it's like, this is clearly hokey and like, it's very over the top. Like, yeah. super villain. I still love it. I, I will see him play a villain on any level whether it's like a fucking melodrama or like him being this like creepy ass super i i fucking love him well it has this moment too that i mentioned when we were watching it where he makes this kind of face where he's like so who was it and he's like voldemort and it was through this diary and he's kind of like oh and he kind of takes a step back almost like it's not so much in his face and i even said what here does he know and what he doesn't know and you said i don't think he completely understands i don't think i think that he probably thinks that this diary will wreak havoc yeah but he doesn't know in what way and it really kind of backfires which is really fucking dangerous yeah what the fuck? Um, can we talk about how when he does the like, well, let's hope Mr. Potter is always around to save the day. And Harry does the, don't worry, don't worry I, will. I will be. It is. It's very cheesy. Dumbledore, Richard Harris, like he has this little smirk on his faces. And I was just like, that is like the epitome of what I want to see from Dumbledore in these early movies. It's just him being like, kind okay, this kid's going to make it. I really love his little smirk. You know, it's funny because this whole like last part of the movie, there are some really like hokey parts with I everything. Really, I really, but I do like Dumbledore. I, Dumbledore I think is- it's the best Dumbledore. I mean, unfortunately, we only get him for two movies. It's the best. Yeah, Dumbledore moments. the last of Richard Harris. Of Richard Harris. Even though it's a little blurry, I feel like the way that they created the, the animatronic or whatever of Fox, in that scene, I feel like Fox is also ready to fucking fly at Luscious and be like, fuck you, I fucking hate you. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna peck your eyes too. I literally was like, that like, whatever the fuck they're doing with Fox. And he's, he's not even clear in the scene. He's a little blurry, but I was like, I feel like oh. Fox is ready to kill some bitches. However, there's this one shot of his office that's like from above i mean his <laughs> office is beautiful but the colors are a little bit drab yeah and fox like pops out like brilliantly I and i do really like that so but i will say i do love lucius malfoy having a wand holster oh yes he has it's a wand such holster. a villain thing I it's such a fucking gay thing <laughs> he needs a wand holster he needs a banana hammock for his wand a wand thong there's a pun somewhere in there so yeah and then do you want to just want to talk about now is the time to talk about oh the end my of the God. movie okay. the end of this movie is fucking bullshit ah oh, same like so in the movie it like i said it puts this nice little bow on it it wraps it up so nicely it's this nice little like Oh, you're talking laundry. about like when you, if you end the movie in Dumbledore's office, right? Then it's beautiful. It, it would have been beautiful. <laughs> it is nice to see that Hermione is unpetrified. And first of all, during the feast, everybody is not wearing pajamas, which is a letdown because it would have been way cooler, I think, if they were all in pajamas. Agreed. But then they're all just having a normal ass feast. Hermione walks in, nearly have this Nick comes up and is like, nice to see you. Welcome back. And Hermione is just like, thanks. And you had mentioned, like, wow. <laughs> she didn't say the same thing. But Nick's still dead. It's not like... <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> But then 
But then that's the last time so, we see my beloved John Cleese oh, yes. in the movie. That's the last of John Cleese and of Richard Harris. I know. Then what happens is there's this like little speech similar to the first book. Dumble is like, thank you to Quinn Pomfrey and Quinn Brout for everything that they oh, did. God, I love them They're sitting so right much. there. That's a nice moment. I love that. And then the way that this ends on Hagrid is like, Hagrid didn't do nothing like, to get a round of applause. Oh. He and didn't. This is the moment where I'm like, okay. Oh wait, this- hold on. You gotta back up. We gotta talk about the awkward, terrible sexual tension between Ron and Hermione. Oh my god. Okay, I forgot you you talk about this. Okay, so Hermione chatting with Nick, whatever. She's like, I ain't got time for you, you a ghost. And then she like runs over and hugs Harry. And then she has this like awkward thing with Ron where they're like, mm, okay, and they like handshake or whatever. And it's just not necessary. Like, why? Like, like you can have, like, like don't, a weird moment earlier. Also, don't play up their sexual tension because they're 12. They're children, yeah. And Rupert Grint is a fucking national treasure. He has acted his face off this whole movie. He's very concerned about, like, he faced his biggest fear to go into the fucking forest, <laughs> followed goddamn spiders, go almost again. died, and Rupert Grant did this because he cares about this girl. I should have made that Neville counter Ron counter, man. Right? You have the biggest boner for Ron Weasley. In no, this, just in Rupert Grant. But really, like, I find it so frustrating. They're, yeah. like, making a comment on it. It's, what? again, one of those things, like, Ew, they I cut just... all the shit out. Why this? Why is this the thing that made the final cut? Because mm. then when Hagrid comes in, Fuck everything ridiculous. stops. The entire, like, like oh! it's in the middle of Dumble's speech. He comes in. He goes right up to the three. The whole school is watching. It's like in the middle of the room. And like this is one of those moments where I was like, the rest of the people in this school are probably like, oh my god, again? Like again, all the focus is on them. Then Harry gets up and just starts clapping. Well, Dumbledore starts the clapping, which is not any better. Like, who cares? There was clapping for Hagrid. Hagrid Hagrid. didn't do anything. He he came back. We love you, Hagrid. I will applaud you, your existence in life, but in this moment, it was Harry and Ron and Hermione and Fox who made sure that people didn't die. And that's how it fucking ends. Also, he has the line about Errol. Oh, yeah. Like, no one knows who the fuck Errol is. He's like, some ruddy bird named Errol. Like, if you read the book or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Errol is this poor, tired bitch that Ron went after in the first, like, fucking chapter. But no one in the fucking movie cares. Like, also, even if they do, like, he says that and everyone looks at Ron. Well, there's that moment where he, like... Maybe it's not in this movie. Is Errol mentioned in the fucking movie? There is some point where, like, Errol falls into, like, a bowl of chips or something. Is that when he gets the howler? Maybe. I don't know. There's some moment where... Either way, I find it to be not a good ending of the movie. It's not memorable. And, like, there's this moment where Ron reacts, but it's still so out of place. After the last few chapters, despite my, like, misstep with forgetting some stuff, (laughs) this chapter... Other than that, some of the moments between Harry and Dumble, no, not fan. Like, no, they did not end this movie well. Again, like I will take the melodramatic evil villain like twirl mustache moments of Lucius Malfoy as the end of the movie of because course. honestly, that's how the movie should have ended or should have ended with like the, the point where Hermione, Hermione runs out. to Harry and hugs him. And, like, just get Ron in that shot. Yeah. If you're not going to let her hug him, too, get Ron in that shot. The cute and... little telephone moment. That would have been really nice. Right? Oh, yeah. That would have been great. Oh, my God. And it, yeah. Not a fan of how this ends. So. That's literally, like, the movie itself. Otherwise, I think it's such a good movie because it follows the book so well. But the fucking end of this movie 
Kill me well, now. Well, it follows the book so well despite cutting out so many other things. Like, I feel like it's yeah. cut out a lot of the right things, but then it added in it's some the longest movie. aren't great, yeah. And why did you add that in? Like, fucking end with the trio. Love, I mean, love Hagrid. Love him so much. Don't eat that. While I wish I could take away points from the producers... Of you can. You can not, do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, I already have, for the next episode, a very elaborate Excel doc. I'm not editing it at this point. Here's who I'm giving points to. Plus 50 to Dumbledore. Like both of us talked about, this is a moment where you learn a little bit more that he knows quite a bit more than he's already shown. He shows some really nice softness. He has that wonderful quote. 50 to him. Plus 10 to Molly, Arthur, Ginny, Hermione, Pomfrey, McGuh, Hagrid and Sprout. I like it. I'm not even going to go into that because this. They're all great. They all get 10 points from Adam. 15 minutes for me, you know. Okay. Plus 20 to Dobby, Harry, and Ron. Dobby, obvious. Harry and Ron both have like these nice, wonderful moments in Bez's office, but I'm not going to give them both 200 points. I'm just going to take a zero off of that. Love it. Negative 100. The only person I'm taking points away from, can you guess? Luscious boy toy. I was going to say, gotta be Lucius. Yeah, he a dick. And this is where we really do finally learn, oh yeah, he did this. He's kicking Dobby. He, he tries to kill Harry there at the end. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Negative 100 from him. And then my last points I'm going to give for this book are in plus 25 to the two of us. Because we finished this season beach. High five. <laughs> we did two, two books. We did. We did We've this We've read two, two books. books, guys. We read two whole books. We're proud of us. It only took us, you know, a year. That's right. Send us your Sambuca. <laughs> yeah, for real. We need your Sambuca. Yes, and cookies and tacos and what else do we like? A lot of things. Send us presents. We like presents. More presents. That's what we want for the next season. More presents. Okay. So to recap all those points, plus 50 Dumbledore, plus 20 Dobby, Harry, Run, plus 10 Molly, Arthur, Ginny, Hermione, Quinn, Pomfrey, McGuh, Hagrid, Sprout, plus 25 Tara, Adam, Negative 100, Lucius Malfoy. Yes. We did it. That's... Next time, we will be recapping this book. Yeah. We don't have a special guest. It's us. It's we are a special guest in your ears. Just family. Just family. That's right. Me, Tara. And all my personalities. The cats. All Tara's personalities. No bottle of wine because we already drank I'm it. I'm so sad. Well, so yeah, enjoy. We You'll vodka. see us next time. Oh, oh that'll vodka. go well. I'm yeah. good. Okay, we'll see you next time, Bye. friends. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch, Catch you later, later, snitches! snitches.